Welcome to the HMO Success Podcast. My name's Wendy, and this podcast will help you invest in houses of multiple occupation. Today, it's my absolute pleasure to be joined by Craig from Signature Financial Services. Hello, Craig. Hi, everyone. And uh, Craig is a mortgage broker. So it's great to get somebody who's on the coal face, actually getting you those deals, finding you the money, finding you the right product for your investment purposes. So on today's Facebook Live, um, there's an opportunity for you to ask some questions of Craig. If you're looking to get finance for a project or you're looking to start investing in HMOs, maybe you've got some questions that you'd just like to run past a mortgage broker. And Craig is very um, experienced in HMOs and knows a lot about what's happening in the market at the moment. Um, So while we're waiting for people to come up with their questions and their comments and their queries, uh, Craig, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background, how you sort of got into this? Yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, So, I mean, I took the sort of unorthodox approach uh, nearly four years ago now of uh, becoming a a training mortgage advisor. Uh, I was, I worked in IT before that and uh, I thought I would, I thought I would make a change uh, and then sort of gradually, uh, so come to work for Signature uh, and then we, uh, you know, we we gradually got sort of more, more specialised in terms of, we do a lot of buy-to-let business, a lot of commercial business, a lot of limited company mortgages, HMOs and stuff like that. And I kind of just naturally fell into that. Uh, about a year ago, I uh, became a, a director here at Signature, so I'm I'm now one of the directors, uh, and we've we've kind of gone from strength to strength really in this specialist market, which uh, I think is whilst the residential market market, uh, you know, it, it's been really busy at the moment. I think well, if that do, does become turbulent as a business, we're probably sort of more seventy percent buy to let specialist buy to let than we are residential anyway. Uh, which I think has made us sort of quite quite recession proof. Uh, so yeah, so on my desk, my personal business is probably ninety percent, ninety five percent even sort of buy to let, uh, and a, a good proportion of that is is HMO mortgages, remortgages, bridging finance to convert to HMOs, and all that sort of thing. Right. Uh, personally, I have a wife and two little girls, a six year old and a, a four year old. So uh, I spend as much time as I can with them when we're not working, uh, and we used. to able to go out and stuff as well didn't we but uh, it will come back it will return but we just have to be patient don't we the vaccination program is going very very well so fingers crossed it won't be long it seems a bit more positive doesn't it at the moment it does so uh yeah so i guess uh we're doing a lot of uh we're doing a lot of hmo stuff at the moment so the market in terms of covid hmo and and lending in general so uh, when the first lockdown came lenders lots of lenders just paused lending uh, and obviously there was no value was allowed to move and stuff like that so the hmo market was particularly difficult for a couple of months because there was no products uh, there was no valuations being done uh, lenders then came back with desktop valuations but not on hmos uh, realistically they'll never do a desktop on it on a hmo because you know they need to go and measure room sizes and all that sort of thing so uh, it was a while and then they sort of come back at 60 percent loan to value uh, you know so they were, they were very nervous of hmos the lending market was sort of uh second second well third quarter of last year uh by about the fourth quarter they gradually come back and i think we're probably back to where we were pre-covid pre-COVID in terms of HMO mortgages and rates and stuff like that. Uh, right. And I think in terms of clientele, it's, it's as busy as it's ever been, really. So Right. So that's really good for your businesses. And by the way, in case anyone's wondering, 
uh, about the beautiful accent. It is, of course, a Stoke-on-Trent accent. You're literally just <laughs> down the road from me, Craig, aren't you? <laughs> I am, yeah. I love it how you said a beautiful Stoke-on-Trent accent, accent, I believe, yeah. Oh, it is. It's great. We, I absolutely love it. It's such a friendly and warm you know, accent. And, and that's because the people are, the people in Stoke on Trent are lovely and warm and friendly people. I've always thought that since I moved up here from the Southeast where people can be sometimes a little bit more standoffish, but uh, Stoke on Trent, you've got lots of friendly people. So I always, I, I love it. I really love it. Um, I can't do it. Uh, the best I can do is, I know I'll work it. That's the furthest I've got. Mm, <laughs> that's okay. very good. <laughs> Oatcakes, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Say that again. I said, what are your thoughts on oatcakes? Oh, love them. Oh, <laughs> okay, wow. you're welcome then. You're in. Oh, yes, yes. Can't. I believe Robbie Williams gets them shipped into his house in California because he misses them so much. Yeah, apparently so. I mean, I don't I don't live too far away from where, where he grew up. In fact, my mum still lives even closer, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, uh, the oatcake shop, I still go to that oatcake shop and they're still as good as they ever were, to be fair. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, so we're based up in the Midlands. You, you, you're signature and and uh, and we are of course as well um so just for anybody who's just joining us right now just to say if you've got any questions mortgage questions mortgage product questions questions about hmo mortgages um please feel free to put them in the chat panel below the live today uh if you're watching this after the live is finished do feel free to put them in because we can of course forward all your questions to craig he'll be able to answer your questions even if you're watching this after the live has actually finished um, so, Craig, thanks ever so much for giving us a bit of a backdrop to kind of last year. And I know that for some people it was a bit of a rocky time because of lending and because of COVID and the valuation problem and not being able to get uh, surveyors out. So since, let's say, sort of December, January, what are you now seeing as happening in, in the lending market? So it's still cautious uh, and, and self-employed people. So in general uh, are getting more questions. And of course, lots of people have taken out uh, bounce back loans and uh, government help and stuff like that. So that's causing us uh, causing us a few problems. So uh, not to the fact if, if you've used it, if you've had a, a bounce back loan, for example, and used it genuinely to help your business or you haven't used it and you've got it as a contingency, then that's absolutely fine. But we have had, you know, a few clients that have used a bounce back loan for, you know, an, an extension on the house and stuff like that. And lenders don't like it very much. So we're seeing the repercussions of, uh, you know, the government help and government funding a little bit in that sense, in terms of, in terms of lending. Uh, but it's got better. It's definitely got better. So still more cautious than they were, but not quite as bad. In terms of client and the client shift, and I think I mentioned this to you, uh, a lot we've seen a big increase in like supported living lease agreements and charities and registered providers and stuff but in terms of like filling HMOs and that. Uh, the student market uh, is back and it's back as it was as well because again that was another one where you know if you if you got students and your HMOs lenders were just going oh unis are, are, are Zoom and you're not going to fill it and stuff like that so uh, very positive really. We did have we used to have 80% loan to value HMOs. We're still we're, we're stuck at 75% on 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 specialist buy to let. I'm afraid, but yeah, uh, rates have gradually come down. Back end of last year, you're looking at over four percent for HMO. We're back to sort of three and a half percent, potentially a little bit less on it on a two year fixed. 
So yeah. So there's, so there's some good products out there. The loan to value has come up again, which is very helpful. Yeah. Um, what are you seeing in terms of revaluations and uh, you know prices that 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 valuers are giving HMOs that have been refurbished and now maybe where somebody wants to recycle their money and get their money out? What kind of you know what's the level of risk that they're taking there in terms of revals? It's it's difficult with valuations because. Uh, well, obviously, house prices, you know, if you look at the house price index and stuff like that, they're still going up. Uh, but it's always it's kind of the same as it's always been. You could send out, you know, uh, 10 valuers to the same property and they'd all come back with different numbers. Uh, it, it frustrates it frustrates the heart of me. And I'm sure it does does you guys a lot as well. So uh, we're not seeing to answer the question. We're not seeing any any downturn or upturn. It's kind of the same as it as it ever was. Really, there's no real pattern to it, you know. So I'm not right. getting loads of, loads of down vowels and I'm not getting loads of up vowels either. It's just right. where it was in terms of valuations. Um, somebody's made a really nice comment, by the way, Craig. I don't know if you can see it. I, I can't see who's written this because of the we're on StreamYard, so I can't see who's written it. But somebody said, Craig and his team are brilliant. I highly recommend them. Oh, uh, that, so that's, that's nice to know, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Good recommendation there. And um, so uh, in terms of, let's, let's, let's talk about sort of time scales because one of the things that I know a lot of my clients complain about is the time it takes. I've got, I've got a client at the moment and it's taken her about 12 weeks to get the finance for her latest HMO purchase. She had the deposit already, she's got the money for the refurb, but she couldn't get the actual purchase over the line quickly because it was the finance that was holding it up. So could you give some advice to people, first of all, to, to give them an expectation about how long it might take? And secondly, what can people do to be more prepared? And is there any way of speeding up that process? <sighs> I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, with my clients, with you guys and whatever, I'll always be completely honest with you. It's worse than it's ever been for timescales. Uh, and there's there's a couple of reasons for that. So I know. I know I am a salesman first and foremost, but <laughs> I don't well, tell. If you're honest, you're an honest salesman. I'm an honest salesman, yeah. Uh, but no, there's, there's a couple of reasons for that. So obviously, uh, you know, companies are working differently in terms of, you know, people working from home and stuff. We are kind of still in a lot down so uh, these big companies big massive corporate companies can't seem to adapt as well as sort of smaller companies like we have and stuff like that that's one reason uh, but the biggest reason is uh, solicitors and, and and the stamp duty holiday really so they're, they're indated so we're getting mortgage offers in the same sort of time scales within reason as we we always have done so we get your mortgage offer between sort of two and five weeks and it goes over to the solicitors and it just sits there and obviously we always we always chase the solicitors we'll chase them on a weekly basis uh, and the issues they're having is they've got that much business because people are trying to push everything and get everything through before the end of march at uh, the stamp duty holiday but then that's give a backlog for any searches that need to be done and stuff like that so i suspect i suspect your friend has probably had to wait longer than ever for for searches because depending on the council some some searches i did one uh, up Manchester way and it went in end of October again mortgage had offered sort of middle of November the searches uh, it hasn't completed yet uh, this is a HMO and the searches had have come back this week uh, so that's like the local authority searches and stuff like that and of course with mortgage lenders they won't like use indemnities and stuff like that they'll, they'll want the full searches so uh, we're still doing lots of bridging finance and we're actually we're picking up bridging finance now where clients are going I'm going to bridge it because 
I'll save so much on stamp duty by bridging it, and then I'll be finance it after. You know, it sort of yes. works out less than bridging. And mm -hmm. bridging finance, are they okay with uh, indemnities? Yeah. Indemnities? Yeah, 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 cool. We we did um, a deal a couple of years ago with the repossession, and uh, I had to get it over the line quickly. We used bridging. And because we had to, we had to um, complete the sale very, very quickly. We used um, a search indemnify uh, policy, and it was fine. It, it worked absolutely fine. So, right, okay, good. So, what what's happening about bridging finance? Then, are you seeing any um, changes to uh, rates or loan to values, or is that, is that still as as active as ever? Craig? Yeah, it's back. It's back. So again, it, it stopped. It paused. Loan to values were you know sixty percent uh, cautious. Heavy refurbs had, had stopped with lots of bridging lenders and stuff like that. But now I'd say we were pretty much fully back. Rates again where they were before. Uh, yeah, and there's there's a decent appetite for for bridging at the moment. So we're doing a lot of it. Uh, like I say, we're doing we're doing a lot for the stamp duty holiday, and we're doing the same as we've always done a lot of it. We're doing the same as we always have done, where clients are buying a residential property, converting it into a HMO. We're refinancing the back end to get the money back. That's that's kind of our bread and butter. That as you know, so lots of our clients do that. They buy a house at auction or that's run down, that's probably unmortgageable. They'll spend ten, twenty thousand on it. They'll do it. Up. We'll refinance it at seventy five percent a few months later, and they'll go again. You know, so that tends to be a lot of my clients. But yeah, uh, it slowed down briefly, but it kind of came back in with everything else, and it, it, it's good. fine now. Yeah, that's really good. And so, in terms of this this time scale, so partly putting it down to the backlog that councils are sort of having to deal with searches. Um, and you're also saying that stamp duty, the stamp duty holiday has encouraged more people to, to buy property, which I think is absolutely true. Um, do you think that Rishi is going to extend the stamp duty holiday? That is the golden question. And we all want to know. We're going to we're going to put some bets on this later. Shall <laughs> <laughs> uh, I stay on the fence? No, I think I think he has to do something. Uh, I, I suspect it'll be. Uh, I don't. I don't. To answer the question, I don't. I don't think he'll do a, a stamp duty extension, but I think he'll, he'll he'll do something with the applications that are already in. Uh, I think that's probably the way they'll go. Hence, why there hasn't been an announcement yet, because uh, you can sort of say, you know, well, if if you had your memorandum of sale before February or something, we'll we'll honour it for the stamp duty. So I think it's more likely to be uh, a sort of a softer exit than than it is, rather right. than a, rather than an extension, but. Who knows? I mean, the, the problem is with an extension is if they extend it to June, that's great. And it still boosts the economy and stuff. And it's great for us. And I hope they do extend it. You've got the same problem in June, though, haven't you? You know, you've got it. <laughs> you've got to end it at some point, haven't you? So I suspect there'll be sort of a, an in-between, an interim period for clients that are already buying properties. And I hope, you know, because imagine buying a house on the 1st of April and paying the stamp duty like I know, I know. And I think, I think this is the challenge, isn't it, is that when you end these government programmes very suddenly, um, people's behaviour changes very suddenly as well. Yeah. So rather than, you know, what 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 the, they don't want to see is a sort of sudden collapse in the housing market um, as a result of stamp duty suddenly being reintroduced. Mm -hmm. So whether there might be a gradual step up or there might be another form of stamp duty, I mean, we've just got to wait, haven't we? We've got about another month till the budget, and I think there's going to be a few announcements then yeah. Uh, that we really have to be, you know, on the ball and looking for. But that's obviously one of them. That's a key one to do the stamp yeah. duty. Yeah, and I think from a, from a business perspective, obviously, we'd we'd love it to be extended. You know, in fact, get rid of stamp duty altogether. But uh, <laughs> you know, I just, 
That's what we want, Rishi. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it forever. But now, in terms of like clients, and we have been uh, since the start of the year, to be honest, uh, new clients coming to us, making purchases. We're, we're preparing them. I mean, stamp duty isn't, you know, tax advice isn't part of my job, but I'm saying to clients, you know, be prepared that you may have to pay stamp duty because if you go onto the government website, they're reverting back to how stamp duty was. So you can still do the, the stamp duty calculator and stuff like that. So that's the only guidance we've got on it at the moment. So, yeah, if anyone's buying a property now, I would, you know, make sure they had the funds for the stamp duty. Yes. Uh, fingers crossed something happens, but he might not do so. So let, let's assume that, you know, there is, there's going to be some taper or it might just suddenly end. Um, you know, either of those would, would obviously bring the current stamp duty um, sort of phase to an end. Um, hopefully then councils will start to catch up with paperwork. Hopefully then there won't be so many delays. But is there anything that a buyer can do to help themselves? It, you know, because it feels to me like I, I, I want to be able to say to people, look, if you do this, it, it doesn't necessarily, you know, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to have a much faster process. But there must be some things that buyers can do or things that you see all the time that people aren't as prepared as they could be. So what can people do if they're looking to apply for a mortgage or they're, they're thinking about buying an HMO? How can they prepare themselves for the you know, headache of having to get a mortgage? Uh, well, it, it's, it's documents is probably the biggest thing, really. So lots of, uh, lots of investors and you know, lots of sort of clients who are brilliant at, at finding a deal. Uh, you know, they, they know how to, they know exactly what to do. But when it comes to sort of the paperwork end, and, and that's what we're here for ultimately. Uh, you know, it's like I'm asking for documents and they're coming in and sort of drips and drabs and stuff like that. I mean, lenders don't ask for lots, you know. And once we've got it, if we, should we ask for everything up front? Uh, and if a client gives us that, generally we don't have to go back to them. Uh, so we can get all the documents uploaded. The lenders will underwrite it once rather because they'll have everything they've got, you know. So things like that will speed it up, being more organised. But that, you know, I, I guess that's easier said than done, depending on 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 your project. Uh, solicitor wise, we have a solicitor that's pretty quick that we recommend. But of course, you know, people have their own solicitors and their own people and stuff like that. So uh, it's a difficult question, really. What can they do to speed it up? So when you say documents, let's be clear. What what documents are you uh, expecting people to be able to provide? And also, are there documents that you've regularly seen people wish that they had spent some time on before because you asked them for them? Maybe, maybe it's a business plan or something. Mm. And they suddenly go, oh, I could have been writing this. So are there yes. things like that that you could advise people to kind of be preparing now? Yeah, so that's a good question, actually. So uh, the, it's, it sort of, sort of sticks out like a sore thumb, the tax, the dreaded tax return and the tax year overview and stuff like that. So obviously I can use that for quite a long time. Uh, so, But most people pay the tax in January. They leave it till the very end of January. Uh, so like if, if I'm using 2019 and 2020 tax return, tax comp documents now, uh, that's fine. I can use them until about sort of September, October, November, uh, depending on the lender. But most people don't do them till January. So there's sort of a, a two-month window where I'm going, you, need to, you need to do your tax return. So things like that, if you are preparing a purchase or you are preparing a mortgage, uh, perhaps don't leave your tax return till the last minute. I know that means paying paying the tax bill quicker. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I do a tax return myself and leave it till the last minute, to be honest. But uh, it's, it's just it's, it's just one of them. That's, that's probably one of the 
biggest things. So certainly like back end of every single year, it's like, I need your latest tax return. I haven't done it yet. It's with the accountant. Chase the accountant, get it done, get it done. Do you know what I mean? So that, that always costs, costs clients a few weeks. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you've got nothing going on, you will leave your tax bill till as, as late as possible. Like I say, like we all do. But if you are planning purchases and stuff like that, so yeah, the, the tax returns a big one. So we're asking for standard mortgage documents. So uh, if you're employed, pay slips. If you're not, it'll be uh, it's called a tax computation and a tax year overview, which is like the other end of your tax return. Uh, so we need like sort of last two years of that, and then everything else you, you'll have your passport, your driving license latest three months bank statements and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, that's one thing. The searches in terms of, like I said, the searches are taking a while, but this is always sort of a bit of a, so you can apply for the searches as soon as you buy the house if you want, but equally you're going to have to give the solicitor a few hundred pound then. So from my advice to clients, I'm like, well, really you should wait till you get the mortgage offer, but you will have lost three or four weeks then before applying for the searches. But you could lose a couple hundred pounds if you, you know, if I'm not going to be able to get your mortgage offer. Now I'm pretty confident on what I do. So most of my clients who I've seen several times and stuff like that, I'll go apply for the searches. Now you bought the house, I'll get your mortgage. I know what I'm doing. You know I know what I'm doing. Let's apply for the mortgage. Uh, so that that's another one. But sort of standard protocol would be let me do my bit, let's get the documents, let's get it underwritten. Here's your legally binding mortgage off after lender. Now go to the solicitors and apply for your searches and stuff like that. But let's say you've lost three or four weeks of that end, really. So it depends how confident you are in your broker and your finance and stuff like that. So yeah. lots of our clients will go straight in when they buy that sorry, when they have the offer accepted, they'll instruct the solicitor day one, they'll give them some money and we'll crack on. So that, that can speed up the process. Okay, it's absolutely. not all like a 12, I know, I know I was like brutally honest earlier on, but it's not, it's not a 12, 12 week process for every application. It really isn't, you know, we are still getting them through in sort of six, seven weeks, uh, bridging finance even, even quicker, you know, so it just, generally as a whole has slowed down a little bit since uh, since the good old no covid days mm, okay that's that's <laughs> interesting to know and do you still see lots of demand for hmo finance is that still a big part of what you're doing in your business absolutely yeah yeah uh, i mean in terms of like i say i i, I do in signature we do a hell of a lot of battle stuff and i'd say probably a quarter of that's hmos at the moment oh, interesting mm. yeah interesting so there's still good demand there. People are still filling their rooms, still thinking the market's buoyant. And I suppose they're, as you say, they're, they're now maybe branching out to work in different sectors. So perhaps it was professional and students, but you're seeing now more of the charity sector, which is interesting. Yeah, uh, f absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we sort of, so in terms of like the, 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 you know, the registered providers, the charities, the vulnerable tenants and stuff like that, it's quite niche from a lending perspective. Uh, and we, we kind of recognised that a couple of years ago and we sort of did a bit of work on it and it was just, you know, together money doing it at 7% and people were putting the phone down on me. Uh, <laughs> you know, so uh, we, we kind of put a lot of work into the area. So I, I think we, we were one of the leading brokers for that, really. So we get at least at least one inquiry a day now for sort of supported living lease agreements and that. And what clients are doing, they're doing, and it's a good model. It's a good model, but it's a niche market. So we still only have... We still only have sort of three or four lenders, but at nice sort of limited company rates and stuff, not, you know, not 7%, starting from like sort of 3.5%, which you're kind of used to paying if you're a portfolio landlord, limited company or, or HMO landlord. Uh, and the model is a lease agreement from a supported living provider. Generally, it'll be a five-year lease agreement. It would probably be a bit less than you would get for a private HMO. 
but you don't have the bills uh, and it's guaranteed it's guaranteed rent so whether there's anyone in in there or not the the charity are, are paying you the rent so it's kind of a hands-off investment so that's why yeah. people are liking it and i guess you know there has been more difficulty in filling hmos no doubt about it we haven't done too badly in in, in stoke and uh, i do quite a lot in derby as well and that that's been pretty good but i guess you know the country as a whole uh, there are less people uh, with covid who want to share houses i suppose naturally uh, from the professional market and from the student market there is le- less people actually going to university and stuff and staying at home so that has had to have an effect on the hmo market mm-hmm. uh, and i think that's why we're seeing this uh, we're seeing this switch to supported living and stuff like that so it's good that there are some products there because I know a few years ago it was very hard to get a product where uh, a lender would lend against uh, you know somebody who who was working with a charity or supporting living yeah. like you say it was just together finance at seven percent and you know <laughs> you're not going to have many many people taking you up on that offer. No. Um, I mean, I also remember a while back that, you know, high street banks like Lloyd's were offering commercial finance on HMOs. Can can you still get commercial finance through high street banks or is that really sort of disappeared now? No, uh, but it, it has to be generally. So I'll say, I mean, obviously I get the question uh, on a daily basis, I'm sure it is, about a commercial valuation on a HMO. Uh, but it has to be big enough really and what i mean by that is like so up to up to sort of six beds you want to do special spy to let one because uh, the rates are nicer you can have 75 percent uh, loan to value uh, and you know it's yes it's a bricks and mortar val but up to six beds special spy to let 75 percent interest only uh, and a decent rate if you're going commercially then it needs to be viable because they're going to use your rental income as a commercial valuation uh, and I know out, out there people say you'll get 10, 12, 14 times rental income. You won't. Uh, yeah. we, we we struggled before COVID with that. And since commercials come back very sort of cautiously, we're looking at sort of eight times rental income. So you sort of seven, eight beds, they can still go in the specialist bar to let world, but that's kind of that's kind of the grey area where it, it doesn't quite fit with either. But then as it starts to get bigger, you know, I've got a 20-bed HMO on my desk at the moment, which is commercial all day long, you know. Uh, so it, it, it just depends on the project. But commercially, you're going to get commercial value, great. You're going to get 65% loan to value. Your rate's going to be closer to sort of 5%, uh, and it's going to be capital and repayment. Now, to answer your question about the likes of, uh, did you say Lloyd's or TSB? Lloyd's, Lloyd's, yeah, yeah. yeah. The high easy. street. The actual nice nice commercial lenders, if, if you want me to put it like that, they want sort of 50% in. So you can still get, you know, a commercial val. Uh, it's about, you know, 4% a nice rate. But the, you're looking at like 50% loan to value. And most of my clients, that just doesn't work for them, leaving that much money tied up, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, so it sounds like there's a sort of almost a matrix, isn't there, of how big is your HMO? Um, what? How did it start off and what have you done to convert it? What is it now? Um, does it meet specialist by to, by to let lender criteria? Uh, would it be better doing commercial? And that's your job as the mortgage broker, really, isn't it, Craig, to figure out what is the project, what's the asset that we're borrowing against, and to find the right product and the right lender that will happily lend it to, to, that, to that borrower? Because also you're looking at the risk 
and the experience of the borrower, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely spot on. It is kind of, you know, and it is my job. And uh, don't get me wrong, we do nice, uh, nice, simple residential mortgages if anyone wants one of them too. But that ain't your day. Would you go, yeah, yeah. residential? <laughs> we do about one a month. Now, as a company, we, we do plenty of them as well. But yeah, this, this, it's more interesting for, for me as a person. That's why I like it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you, you have to think about it though it's much more of a holistic uh, view you know so it's not like oh he's the best product it's like well what like you say what are you going to do with it are you keeping it the same uh what's your rental income going to be uh, and, and sometimes you know i'm i'm like saying to a client like say on, on a sort of seven bed hmo well you can do especially spire to let on this this and this or you can do commercial on this you're netting the same amount of money but you pay more for it commercially because i know there'll be people watching now and, and there always is uh, and a lot of the sort of the property training courses and stuff like that. It's like get a commercial val, get a commercial val, and stuff like that. But it's not always always the way to go because, yeah. like I say, and lots of lots of people want interest only, so they cash flow better. And like I say, commercially, yeah. uh, most of them want capital repayments now, uh, unless you know you're leaving a big chunk of money, and and that you know for you guys building portfolios, it's it's counterproductive to leave fifty percent equity in a, in a property, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think it's all about, the, it's what I call the seesaw balance of risk and return. And if you're going to you know, pull out as much money as you can, and I would agree with you that I tend to say to people, work on a seven or eight times multiplier. Don't expect 10 or 12. That's just not realistic. So when it comes to you know, the final valuation, look at seven or eight. And then there's still costs to come off of that as well before you get your, your, your actual valuation upon which the offer is then made. And you, know, you might be offered 70%. You might be offered 75%. Um, so it's, it's really trying to tread cautiously, I think. Uh, yeah. So you don't kind of have this massive expectation that you can get all your money out first time round and extra and go again. Some people can, and I suppose it's different parts of the country. And if you've got a really good deal, if you've bought it for a good price, you can add enough value to be able to take that money out. But uh, I think I, I, I say to people, look, expect to leave in about 10%. Because if, if, you, if, you, if you believe you can leave in about 10% of the overall project cost, that's probably about where you'll be. But I mean, Craig, I might be getting that totally wrong. What was Exactly. Age there, yeah. Uh, I mean, those deals, like I say, we, we we see them occasionally, but those deals where you get all your money back out and and some, they few and far between. Uh, but yeah, you, you've took the words out of my mouth. I'll say to clients, you know, I'll say, well, if you bought that fully refurbished, if I said, you know, uh, for two hundred grand, you can buy a fully refurbished HMO, uh, but you've got to put ten percent in. You'd be snapping your hand off, wouldn't you? And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and yeah, I think that I think that's realistic. If you if you're building your portfolio with a ten percent deposit, you know, by the time it's all done and you've got all your money back out, that's yeah. a good model, that isn't Absolutely it? Absolutely, it is. And I I also say that you know it's very it's very investable. Um, you know, you could find a joint venture partner, somebody who if they can see that that you can do that, you can find somebody who will be very happy to work with you. Um, create a limited company and you can you can then grow that model more if you run out of your own finance so yeah. I think finding that model making that model work is really the key um, but obviously having a, a good mortgage broker uh, in your team is, is part of that power team that can make it happen and and you know one of one of the things that you'll be doing Craig is of course assessing the individuals who come to you um, and you know if they're if they're new investors uh, or if they're experienced investors, of course, that all goes into the pot, doesn't it, in terms yeah. of how you assess them? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, uh, you know, HMOs, 
uh, there isn't, uh, and I guess some of you guys out there will know, there isn't many lenders that don't uh, require you to have some lettings experience. Uh, there's, there's Kent Reliance have been sort of a leader for letting you go straight in at HMO. Uh, but if you've got, you know, if you've got a year or two of battle experience, if you started off like that work, where lots of people do, you, you'll be fine. Uh, but you can go straight in at HMO, but you're just limited with lenders. Uh, and, and, you know, there's, there's little bits, a little few more hoops to jump through and stuff like that. Yeah. But. Yeah. And again, that's something that we tend to say to people is it's possible to go straight in at HMO, but if you can get a couple of vitalettes under your belt, it just means that you tick that experience box on the form and lenders are much more likely to want to lend to you. Yeah, and it, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it, from a lending perspective, because it's like there's a bit more. I mean, it does frustrate me because I'm like, well, they're not going to manage it themselves. <laughs> so it's like, what, what difference is it? What difference is it if you have a letting agent for a buyer to let or for a, for a HMO? If you're managing it yourself, I get that then because, you know, it's more difficult to manage than, than a single letter, isn't it? But if someone else is managing it for you, I'm almost like, well, they've got the experience. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, you know, I'm tied by the, the same criteria as, as every other broker ultimately. And whilst they're, you know, doing a lot of this business gives me a, a you know, a, not any extra power, but gives me a few more contacts and stuff. You know, I can come on, you know, this and stuff like that. We can bend the criteria fractionally. I'm still bound by the same frustrations of, of every other broker, unfortunately. Yes, absolutely. So are there any really good products that have come out recently that you're thinking, oh, this is a really good one? Or, or is it a case of things, perhaps not anything particularly new at the moment, but just a good range of different ones that if, if people came to you, you'd be able to kind of advise them which is best for them? Or is, is there one that stands out for you right now? Not really. No, it's 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 probably more sort of, I guess, positive that it's got back to where it was. Uh, so in terms of whether we're talking HMO or whether we're talking, you know, uh, limited company bartlets and stuff like that, uh, it's we used to do, we've always done bartlets. We used to do lots of personal name bartlets, lots of personal name HMOs. There's been a massive shift in the market with obviously the tax changes and stuff like that for limited companies. So uh, I, two or three years ago, I would have done sort of one in five limited companies bartlet application, HMO one on HMO. Now it's, it's easily four out of five, you know, if not five out of five. So a massive shift in that. Now, a limited company mortgage versus a buy-to-let mortgage, whether HMO or not, is is generally sort of a percentage more uh, as, as a rough guide. Now, before COVID, that seemed to be coming in, so uh, and, and we seem to have got back to there a little bit. So hopefully, as that gets more buoyant and more popular, which it is, it's a massive growing market, it'll start to get more competitive. But we have a limited company standard let mortgage starting at sort of 2.89% now, uh, which is pretty reasonable uh H hmo mortgage uh yeah, let me multitask uh, so i'm not telling the wrong thing uh we have i know we've i know there's a five-year fix now for three and a half percent uh we're doing a lot a lot of five-year business because uh well realistically two years comes around very quickly no one it knows does. And these days, of course, just trying to get a new product can be quite uh, hair-raising and, and quite time-consuming. It used to be that you just, just sort of pressed a button on a form and it would all be processed and you pay your fee and that would be it. And nowadays, it's much more complicated. So you're right after, particularly because interest rates are set to stay low for a very long time. I think people want to lock it in. They know what their payment's going to be. They've got certainty then, and then they can get on with their lives and, and build their business. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and like I say, in terms of 
for HMO mortgages, uh, you, you're using specialist buy-to-let lenders anyway. Uh, so it's, it's sort of you're going you're gonna to have your legal fees again, you're going to have your broker fees again, you're going to have your valuation fees again because there's no guarantee that these sort of you know precise and uh, can't reliance and stuff like that. They don't have to do product transfers. It's not like a regulated mortgage with, with HSBC where they'll always offer you a new product. They, they don't have to. Uh, so then you might have to fully remortgage it in two years. Uh, and yeah, from my perspective, uh, you know, a two-year fix gives me repeat business every two years, but I'm more about sort of long-term portfolios and long-term business anyway. Uh, so yeah, uh, five years, get fixed, get all your fees paid once and then see where the market is in in five years time rather than coming back to me in two years and saying well it hasn't gone up much but you've got to pay all these fees again and actually because there's another booking fee you might have to put a little bit in and stuff like that you're going to be well miffed with me aren't you to say the least so <laughs> no, that's a good, good piece of advice there craig thank you uh we've got a question come in about service accommodation mortgages uh, okay. which is very interesting because of course the service accommodation sector has had a very very tough year yeah, um, yeah. with lockdown um, obviously, some sectors have been okay. Some some specialist service accommodation that have been offering long term or mid medium term rent to contractors. Uh, some of them have been fine, but of course, in the hospitality industry, we've seen a practically a collapse in the SA uh, market. Um, so, question really about service accommodation mortgages. What's out there, and what are the high level criteria? Okay, uh, so. Again, they're back as well. Uh, and like I say, had a tough time where no one was doing them. So serviced accommodation and uh, and holiday lets. I'll talk about both of them because uh, it's very similar in the sense of your holiday, your serviced accommodation is only serviced accommodation because it's not by the sea, uh, basically. So <laughs> it's like what, what defines serviced accommodation and a holiday let. So uh, in terms of lending, we can do both. Uh, and yeah, genuinely believe that as well as as crazy as if you if your if your holiday lets in Wolverhampton it's serviced accommodation if your holiday lets in Norfolk it's holiday let uh, and it's kind of the it's kind of the same model so mortgage wise we're about four percent on uh well not us but lenders are at about sort of four percent uh loan to values you can go up to 75 uh, i'd say probably try and work your numbers out on 74 at uh, 70 percent loan to value for serviced accommodation and, and holiday lets but uh, in terms of criteria, uh, if it depends what what project what the project is again. So we've got we can do it commercially. If you're wanting a commercial value on it on a holiday let, then it needs to be an existing holiday let because you can't be like you know well it's going to do this much per year and so on and so forth. You, you can't predict that. So bricks and mortar is fine. Uh, purchases of, of holiday lets and stuff are fine, and they will write to a sometimes write to a local agent and ask the agent for their opinion on the the low medium to high value in terms of what sort of what you can get as a holiday let and what you can get as serviced accommodation but uh, in terms of mortgages it, no it's fine great well that's that's a really positive piece of news because uh when when the sa market was sort of booming a few years ago and lots of people getting into it because of the tax advantages mm -hmm. um, that was one of the, the problems was that quite a lot of people were using the wrong product against that property. Yeah. And I think then lenders started to realize, oh, hang on, there's a new phase in the, um, you know, the, the property investment world, which is called this thing called service accommodation, which you're right, is a sort of variant of holiday lets. Um, we'd better start producing lending against these buildings. Um, which I think there had been, but really more for sort of bed and breakfast and hotel type accommodation. Yeah. Whereas a lot of these 
providers now are, yes, they are doing Airbnb, they are doing booking.com, but um, a lot of them are also doing direct services to contractors, to workers who just want short-term lets. They don't want the hassle of uh, moving in to a, a single buy to, or a rental property where they have to deal with the bills. Um, and they, they're not really in an area long enough to want to rent an HMO room. So SA works very well where you've got that kind of market. Yeah. Um, but in the past, it's been quite difficult to get lending. So that's really good news. You don't see any problems with that, Craig, clearly. No, I'll, I'll tell you when they, when they work sort of really well is if uh, – so there's lots of lenders that will do – so obviously we talked about, you know, uh, what what sort of rates you should get and stuff like that and trying to, like, push the valuation, which is, which is always a thing. But if that property – works as a single let then they absolutely fly so there's a few lenders that will do uh, service accommodation holiday lets uh, various different names they call it but if uh, if it stacks up on it as a normal single let anyway uh, so for example you know if you if you 200 grand home uh, could could rent out as a buyer to let for sort of 800 quid a month in its own right they absolutely fly they do Wendy to be honest because wow. you can just assess them in that way but put them on the correct product so and and that gives the lender reassurance then because of course you know if, if you're if you're going for this you know big service accommodation and stuff and it's the first one you've done and it all goes wrong they know it's still a flat fine as a rental property you see so yeah. again it kind of kind of makes sense uh it's th there's different projects of course you know it depends how big it is again and how sort of quirky it is in your own experience and stuff like that but yeah it's very much it was a real it was the word on the street wanted service accommodation it was growing at a rate of knots and obviously yeah. you're you're right, COVID's because you get a lot of people who come into the country and stuff like that who haven't been able to travel and stuff. So it's had it has had a knock anti this year or last year. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe now, uh, you know, some of the changes. Well, hopefully, lockdown will slowly ease by March. Uh, certainly, I'd like my son to be going back to school by then. Um, homeschooling takes its toll after a while. Um, but, uh, but you know, obviously for him as well, to see his friends and, and be back in the classroom would be probably better for him. Uh, so I think that everybody is kind of now thinking, oh, when can, you know, how long have we got to wait until lockdown can be lifted? And I, and I think then people will start to travel more. Uh, you know, there's going to be people who are going to want to go on short breaks. Uh, and hopefully, of course, the economy will start to, move again and we'll start to see a little bit more movement in the economy and people uh, needing short-term places to stay so i think i think the same market will come back but i think it will come back in fits and starts because you know lots of people will have lost so much money over the last year which is awful, awful. yeah i 100 agree with you though in terms of growth uh, i think holiday lights and sa market is going to be uh bigger than ever for the next couple of years because i think people uh you know Get, getting on a plane is going to be difficult, isn't it? So people are going to want to uh, go, you know, holiday uh, holiday lets and service accommodation and go for weekends away. And, and, and they're going to, holiday making is going to be in this country a little bit more, whether that's service accommodation or, and I know service accommodation is not just for, you know, a city centre break and stuff like that. You get like lots of workers and stuff like that. But I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, people are going to be, traveling and staying in the uk a lot more than ever uh, for the next year or two so i do think it's a growth area i hope it is absolutely something to look forward to isn't it yeah. Yeah, going on holiday oh <laughs> no, no. <laughs> i miss that i miss that we've got a few we've got a few thoughts about this year uh possible holiday destinations so um you know keep keep your eyes peeled i'll reveal all at another time okay <laughs> sounds good well done <laughs>
<laughs> Great. Well, listen, Craig, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really, really good to have you on. Um, you've answered some brilliant questions. And uh, and thank you very much to you for your time today on the Wendy Weekly. And really Thanks, appreciate having you. Thanks for having me. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks very much. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the HMO Success Podcast. If you'd like to know more about how you can create a profitable HMO business, please visit our website, hmosuccess.co.uk, to find out more. We have plenty of free tools and information for you there, and also on our Facebook group, The Ultimate HMO Success System. We look forward to connecting with you very soon. Thanks for listening.